Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another cracking episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by serial entrepreneur and just an all-round great guy, Robbie Ball. Um, for those of you who don't know who Robbie is, um, I guess he's probably best known um, for founding Uncle Jack Watches, which he's now exited. Um, he's also co-founder of Athletican, which I'm sure you guys all know about. Um, obviously, they support the podcast, um, and I've been a big supporter of Athletican since day one. He's also recently launched a new podcast called Off Court. It's all things sports and business, um, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on as well. And, and Robbie's just a great guy with a wealth of knowledge, and he shares a lot of it in today's episode, which I'm sure you guys are going to get so much out of. So, if you do enjoy this episode today, please do take a screenshot for me. Tag myself, tag Robbie um, on your social media, post up on Instagram story. We'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, give Robbie a follow. Go and check out all the stuff he's doing. Um, as I mentioned, he's always dropping so much knowledge and value. Um, he's always willing to help and uh, he's doing an incredible job. So make sure you subscribe to his podcast as well. Um, but a big thank you for tuning into today's show, guys. And um, let's get stuck into this conversation with Robbie. The great man himself, Robbie Ball. How are you, brother? Thanks for coming on the show. Good mate, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure to be be on your, you know, esteemed podcast. Mate, the pleasure is all mine. Um, as always, anytime I get to have a conversation with you, just um, the beauty of this one is that everyone else gets to enjoy it as well. So, mate, um, firstly, thanks for having me on on your show recently. It was a really good conversation. Um, again, you're someone that I, that I love to turn to for advice and and take a bit of inspiration from. So uh, I do appreciate it. But I think today you're going to be able to offer the audience just so much value. Um, you know, and a couple of the main things I really want to touch on in this episode is I guess the mindset and also the strategy for, for those business owners or entrepreneurs out there. Um, you know, whether they're, they're brand new, which is something that's kind of come up over the last 18 months um, while everyone's been stuck at home or whether it's someone who's, who's been running a business or, or trying to grow a business um, for years now, I think everyone's going to be able to take something away. So we'll jump straight in. The first thing I wanted to, to ask you is, as I've just said, with people being at home over the last 18 months, a lot of people have, um, you know, including myself, have started up side, uh, you know, side hustles or, or even their main business um, and particularly through e-commerce. I think everyone started to realize that e-commerce, if they didn't realize it already, um, is huge. So a lot of people are trying to dabbling in, in that area. So I found myself when we and Danielle and I first started Unify that something that really stuck out to me is how overwhelming it can be right from day one when you, you have the idea and you kind of think to yourself, fuck yeah, how good is this? I've got something that, that I can start to grow and it's really exciting. But then when you go to take that first step, it's like, fuck, where do I start? Like you've obviously um, grown some incredibly successful businesses and, and been through the trenches yourself. So when you're starting out a new project and maybe it's even something similar to the podcast, like what are, what's your strategy to really break things down and reverse engineer how you're going to get to the, the finish line or to the point where you've got a product to the market. What is, what is a strategy you use to, to not let overwhelm kind of get the better of you? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to start a brand or start a business. The hard part is, um, is keeping it going and, and scaling it um, and trying to find your way through the jungle that is business. Um, so I suppose there's no, unfortunately, there's no blueprint as you know, in business to, to be able to 
to get where you want to go. And, and most of the time there's the discrepancy between where you start and where you want to be is mm. just, you know, it's, it's a mishmash of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for me, as you said, I've been through that a couple of times now and, um, and it's still, you get a clearer picture of, of how that might eventuate, how you might take that brand from idea or that business from idea to reality, to scale, mm-hmm. to sort of maturity, but, uh, still there's so many variables. There's, you know, product market fit is obviously a big thing where before you go and invest thousands of dollars into an idea, you need to be able to prove that it works. Right. So, yeah. You know, with Shopify and, and all this um, technology now, it's, it's really easy to get set up. Like if you wanted to start an e-commerce business, you could literally get it set up in a day. Mm-hmm. The difference and I suppose the um, where people kind of don't make that next, next leap is really understanding the systems behind scaling a business. It's like as easy it is to actually get set up visually to, to customers you know, behind the scenes, the systems, the processes, the the strategy behind the scenes is a totally different game. That's, mm. you know, that's a minefield. That's where, that's where the difference is. I think we've got two ends of the scale when it comes to people that are starting out. You know, one end, you've got the people who almost get the, the old, um, what is the saying, paralysis by analysis, like overanalyzing every detail, trying to put, trying to make sure it's perfect Got a guest here, little Russ man wants to jump in. <laughs> Hop down, Chief. Um, overanalyzing everything and almost trying to make sure everything's perfect before they even start, which is just never going to be the case. And and those type of people I find you you look at and yeah, always talking to talk, never really walking to work, walking to walk. There's nothing that actually ever happens. So it's all good in theory, but in, you know, when you put it to, to work, nothing's actually happening. And then on the other end of the scale, we've got people who are really just putting next to no thought. To it, and it's almost like just just one shiny object after the other. It's like what's popular now. I'm going to start this business with no real passion behind it, or no structure or strategy, as you mentioned. Which end do you tend to lean towards with any of the businesses that you've worked in or started? Do you do you try and make sure that everything's as perfect as possible before you take it to market? Whether it even just be something as simple as like an EDM, or are you more along the lines of? just get it in front of people, just put it out there, see what sticks, what doesn't, and then just keep adapting as you go. Look, I think the the key is just putting things out there and seeing what sticks. But, you know, we we had an internal saying um, and it was basically just launch. So whether we think the product is absolutely perfect, the more you sit on it, the more air, the more things that you you know, think you can improve, mm-hmm. you're going to find those things. The more you sort of stew on it, the more you kind of, as you said, analyze things yep. and you end up doing nothing as opposed to if you put that product out there, see what people think, see what the feedback is, and then you can um, iterate that product to, to the next level. So example with, with Uncle Jack, which is one of my first businesses was we, the products that we, our very, very first product, like right at the start, we had no idea what we were doing. It wasn't, it, it was different to what we had actually ordered. So we, we were like, you know, shit, what do we, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, and we ended up just launching it because like we basically had no other option. Look, yeah. we, had, we had no, no more money in the bank. This was it. 
Um, and you know, I guess at we, the same time as well, the audience, I don't know if you'd put out some feelers, but the audience probably had no idea that it was different than what you'd expected either. So for they them, it's still no their idea. first time seeing a product. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we put it out there and the rest was history. Like we, it sold out in, you know, like so quick. Uh, and then we never actually changed the product from, from that model. So it was, it's pretty crazy how, how that works in, in terms of like, you, you know, you can do so much planning, but mm-hmm. you know, you keep iterating the product and then you put it out finally and it never sells. But if you yeah. put out the raw product and you know, what I, what I really love is, is kind of telling the story or, or showing a, a, a human side of the business um, and basically tell people like, this is our first product. Like it may not be perfect, but this is where we are. You know, we appreciate your support and we, we love to get your feedback. I mean, that's really the human side and the story side of business that I think in the next five to 10 years is going to be huge. Yeah. And there's a few things I wanted to touch on, but we can come back to it because we'll stick on this, this topic because I wanted to take it there anyway. In terms of the storytelling, that's a huge one. And that's definitely something that you know, I've personally taken from, from guys like yourself and Joe with Athletic and Uncle Jack and, and a bunch of other people as well of how important that is and in telling this story and, and um, almost letting people in. And, you know, we, we talk, talked about on your podcast, the importance of community and, and having people be able to feel like they're part of something. Is that something that you guys did from day one, particularly with say an uncle Jack and, and especially with athletic and once you already had the experience there, is it about not so much just about the product, but about trying to get those that buy the product to feel like they're, they're part of something and then and have Definitely. them part of the story as well. Hundred percent. And if you if you can get that product market fit or find your you know your perfect audience from um, as close as you can to the beginning of where you start, you can start building that momentum of community earlier. Mm. And the sooner it's like a compounding effect. It's like momentum. The sooner you start, um, the more it's going to kind of snowball. So that's where if you don't have that product market fit from the start, you know one you could be attracting the wrong audience mm-hmm. or two you're not just gonna you're just not gonna sell anything yeah so you're right communities is like it's just so important being able to, to to attract your crowd and with athletic and you know we're attracting um you know a similar crowd to to you you know yeah we're looking at the people in the fitness industry people who are working out they want to look good um so we've really kind of not capitalized it's not the right word but I suppose, cultivated a community. So we, you know, we do a few things. I think, you know, you're, you, you do it really well in terms of bringing together your community, but just things like creating Facebook groups where people can interact. I mean, that's the thing about communities is two way communication. It's not us just yelling at them with, you know, new products or new offers or promos. Um, you know, we get, which is really cool. We, we get people posting like, Oh, you know, I missed out on, um, you know, whatever color does anyone have it in a size A? Yeah. Or, I love that. That's so yeah. Cool. Or have a look at my collection and people yeah. are commenting, Oh, you know, you know, love that style. We had, how do you keep them clean or whatever? Yeah. Um, so you really create that fan base. What would you say to someone that almost doesn't have, feels like they don't have a story for their company or their brand because I think, you know, when people hear that it's so important to have this story or it's so important to have this, 
community vibe or something, a message that you can push for those people that have purely just brought out a business or a company because the demand was there and they saw, saw it as an opportunity and they don't really have a story. It's almost like forced, like people start to just take other people's stories and come up with something that sounds good or looks good on paper. They can push it out there. Is there. Have you got any advice for people that just are stuck with what their actual story is as to whether or not they should come up with one that's just bullshit or whether... Um, or just, just keep kind of, or let it come to them or like, what's your advice for that type of yeah. individual? No, I actually have, I actually have a good answer to this, which <laughs> is good. surprising. I'm this is few would. and far between. <laughs> so the, the issue here is your story is not about you. Um, so that's purely an egotistical look at me sort of thing. When you say, oh, you know, this is who I am and this is my product and this is what I do. Your story is about your customer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's just say with Athletican, our story is all about, you know, our customer, Danny Kennedy, um, who works out. He, you know, he just, he just wants a good pair of shoes to go to the gym in. That's the story that we're championing. That's all our advertising, all our marketing is based around, you the customer and where what we're trying to do is tell a story through through our content through our product um so when you're talking about a story it's it's you know who cares that you're you know founded in 2014 and um in melbourne no one gives a shit like that's not a story like the story is about how you're bringing in a, a community or a customer and this is how you're you know creating a product based on two-way feedback and cultivating this community. I mean, that's, that's the story. So um, it doesn't need to be forced. It's because if you've got a target market, you've got a story. Mm. And then I guess almost using your content, as you said, so I'm assuming and, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it about, as you just said, like if I see say a video on athletic and the idea is for me to be able to see that and see myself in the video almost or like see myself as being very similar to what I'm seeing in that video or seeing that like kind of grabbing my attention. Cause it's something that I, I can relate to. Is that what, is yeah. that kind of what you mean? Yeah, exactly. And you want to feel like you belong to that tribe. Like it's all about tribes, right? Tribe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a sense of belonging. Like I think, you know, is a quote of yours, but um yeah, it's about really understanding who your target market is and doing things around them, championing them. Mm. You know, you're just like, you're the, um, I don't know, you're just like the provider of these things. Um, but it's not about you. Um, it's about them. Yeah, I love that. In terms of um, a question that I wanted to ask you, this gets thrown around a bit on a few interviews, um, particularly with like the bigger entrepreneurs and let's say someone like a uh, Gary V or something, he gets asked this quite a lot. Do you think that someone is either born with entrepreneur traits or it's something that can be taught? It's not something that I necessarily have listened to or, or read a lot on. So I don't, I don't know what the commentary is around that, but What's in my opinion? experience, yeah, I mean, I suppose <laughs> I've got, I've got an unbiased opinion cause I haven't really had that discussion. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, I think there's, well, for me anyway, I always had that, that skill set of being able to look at opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so you know i like i was starting businesses when i was in like year eight like i reckon i had like three different high school businesses like importing shoes i started a like a compression wear brand yeah right. um and just like things like that in that i think is hard to teach yeah. in terms of going oh well, there's an opportunity here yeah um, I posted on my story this morning, actually, this, I went to grab a coffee from the cafe near my place and um, there was this poster in the, in the window, this kid, this, I think he might've been 15, so he's not, not too young, but he created this little poster of like a lawnmower, a car and, and some, some other shit. And he'd like filled it, he'd written on the poster, like, you know, I'm 15 years old, live in so-and-so, um, looking to do, just do the odd jobs or some shit and like literally any job that you want and he just stuck it up in his cafe and I was like that's brilliant like I put on my story like good on him yeah got his phone number there like hit me up I'll come and do whatever you want <laughs> yeah I love that I mean this is that's just like drive you know you can't you can't teach, I teach that. that I don't think so yeah yeah I think yeah I mean and um I'm gonna be an absolute weirdo here and answer my own question I think that in terms of that side of things, like you touched on before, like year eight, you're starting businesses and shit like that. I don't think that can be taught. And that's obviously, you can't fucking rewind time and tell yourself to start a business in year eight. That That is just instinct, I think. But in terms of running a successful business, not so much the entrepreneur traits, but running a successful business, I think it's definitely something that can be taught. Um, particularly if you're learning from the right people. And on that topic of like learning and education, um, what's, your, what's your kind of stance, I guess, on... Um, yeah, we talked about it quickly on the podcast, um, on your show, which I'll have the link to in the show notes, but what is your, um, what's your stance on courses online for entrepreneurship or for starting a business, particularly the ones that you see that aren't even specific to a, uh, an actual business or industry itself. It's literally just like how to start a business, how to be a successful entrepreneur or how to become a salesman or whatever. And yeah. on the second part of that, I think a lot of the time they're really people that haven't established themselves as a entrepreneur anyway. Like they they sell courses about being an entrepreneur, but have never done it themselves. Whereas someone like yourself who has been through it and has all the experience has seen the highs and the lows um, could probably start a course and it's a bit more reputable. But what are are your thoughts on on Mm -hmm. that side of things? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I'll try and link it back to sort of the last point as well where you know, we talked about that instinctiveness. Um, I think the other bridge between those two questions is your ability to bring together resources and take a risk. And the majority of people don't want to take that risk. They're happy being, um, you know, in kind of a safe environment in yeah. their comfort zone. Being comfortable. Um, yeah. Whether that be financially or, or socially or whatever, um, you know, that's kind of the, the gap between those two. Mm. So in terms of education, going out and getting an MBA, yes, you are more qualified to run a business, but the chances are you're going to be running the business for a person who's taken that risk. Um, yep. You're essentially going to, most likely, most cases, you're going to be an employee of someone who's taken that risk and seen the opportunity, um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But in terms of being an entrepreneur, um, you know, you certainly you don't need um, a qualification in, in an MBA or look, you don't, you don't need any formal education to be an entrepreneur. Um, my stance on that is, you know, I, I have a bachelor's degree, so I wouldn't say that makes me biased because a lot of people that go through the university system um, do you think come out the other side. 
how much do you think the the degrees helped? Honestly, uh, it hasn't. It hasn't helped me from a, a career standpoint. Okay, um, you know, it's helped me from a, a social point of view. It's helped me from a skills building point of view. Um, it's helped me from a general diversity diversity and awareness point of view. You know, you're dealing with people from, you know other areas, other countries, other cultures um, that you may not have, have dealt with otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like, like I hated group work, man. Like that's, that's one of the worst things you could do. But in hindsight, it's one of those real, you know, character developing type of scenarios yeah. where you are literally forced to work with the person that you've been put with or like you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I think that, to answer your question, I think there's a, there's a place for it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if, if I had kids and they said, look, I don't want to go to uni, I'd be like, cool. You know, what are you doing? Okay. Like, what are you learning? Mm. Um, but in saying that to answer your other question in terms of like short courses, like I think they're key. Like I'm doing one right now on to upskill in something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you obviously got to be careful about where you're getting your courses from. Like you want to make sure it's, it's um, reputable or you, you trust the person that's, yeah. that's giving you that information or selling you the information. Yeah. Not to reiterate too much about what we'd already spoke about on, on your show, but you know, we, we briefly touched on how important it is to actually implement what you learn. Um, in these courses, I, I touched on how, you know, I found myself in, in a point where I was like reading all these books or listening to a bunch of podcasts and just listening to it, just almost having like an awakening moment of how good is this shit? Like the content's unreal, but then finishing and going, all right, what, what am I going to watch next? Or what am I going to read next? And then I have and then I haven't actually implemented any of their stuff. So you could become amazing at consuming content and you know, all this shit, but you haven't actually put any of it to practice. And that's what I find typically, um, I obviously don't have as much experience in terms of a like running a particularly obviously not running an e-commerce business, but um, in terms of even the health and fitness industry, it's like all these people have gone to uni or do have all this knowledge or go to every fucking seminar that that comes up, but they're not never implementing it. Like you don't see them actually doing any of the shit that they learn. Um, and practical is very 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 different. Um, and that's probably one thing I found. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but with the true entrepreneur is ever since it's become kind of cool, like people have started to, it's become almost like a bit of a trend to be, to have your own business or to be an entrepreneur. When push comes to shove, like you said, like the real entrepreneurs are taking massive risks, like financial risks, social risks, like um, career risks without any real fear of, of what the result is. They're kind of going all in where a lot of people, once they get to that point are not actually ready for that. Well, they're not built for that. They just, they just can't, they're just not that guy. And, you know, you hear all the time about how it's okay to be number two or number three or number four in a company where you are using your actual skills and, and putting in the work to, to make what you're, what you're worth without having to have that risk as well. So I think that's probably something for people to consider around entrepreneurship. Not everyone has to be the main guy or the main girl. Yeah. And I think, you know, particularly particularly COVID and lockdowns has um, not forced, but it's, it's sort of made people stop and realize I could do a side hustle, um, which is fine. Um, But I think, 
I mean, I know I can kind of sniff from a mile away what what's a hobby and what's a legitimate business as far as mm-hmm. um, like a commercial perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether that, you know, relates to whether you should do it or not is totally separate. Um, obviously, you don't want to be putting money into something that um, essentially becomes a liability for you where you, you're constantly topping it up. Um, with more money just so you can say you have a you have a business or you have mm. a side hustle or you have a brand. I mean that's that's just an ego thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, if you want to have a proper crack, you obviously need to invest time and money into it. What's your uh process around um I guess a failure or a loss in the business? So let's say you've you've planned this launch, you you have expectations for it to do super well, maybe it doesn't reach the the standards that you expected or, or put on, on the launch, what's the process then like going back to the drawing board? Like, do you have a, a set kind of like review system that you do for each launch to see where it could have gone wrong or what needs to change next time? Is it like a real um, analytical type thing or do you just kind of go by feel? Yeah. So I think I've probably failed as many times as I've won. So I wouldn't, I would say I've I've probably won slightly more than I've lost um, in terms of um, products or campaigns or or whatever. Um, So uh, the first point is you've got to take away the emotion from it. So um, you can't like one thing I always say, you know, after a launch is let's just, let's just sit on it till tomorrow. We'll reevaluate. We'll look at the numbers We'll look at the reaction, we'll look at the feedback um, and then we'll make a decision on what's next. So methodically, um, what I make sure we do is we, we have a system that basically ranks um, or measures our performance. So we have a set criteria. We'll go, all right, well, this was X number, this was X number, this was X number. And we'll go, oh, well, actually, it was our you know, second best um, release or second best product concept of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may not have gone as well as we would have liked, but it still went really well. Um, and, and on the other side, we go, oh, well, that just didn't work. And then we go, okay, these are the numbers. Why didn't it work? Or what can we improve? How can we get feedback? How can we iterate this? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think it's super important even, yeah, that's even shit like the journal that I've got sitting in front of me, like the nighttime review, like that's something that I've implemented over the last 12 months. And I've found that so beneficial, not even inside the business, just in just with life in general about at least being aware of what's happening. Because that's, I think, the big problem with not so much just business, like I said, but in general, like when shit doesn't go your way, it's easy to just sit there and fucking feel sorry for yourself and, and be upset about it. But why did it not go well? Like there's always... There's always most of the time always going to be a reason or, or things that you can um, control to, to make sure it's different next time in terms of something that something that I struggled with early on. And to an extent I still do today is uh, feeling like I need to do everything inside the business um, feeling like, you know, the harder I work, the more I deserve to be successful or, or, you know, almost like wearing like a badge of honor, like fucking look how hard I work type of thing yeah. and not, not being able to get palm off certain things or, or delegate certain, um, tasks to other people, particularly things that are my weakness. How important have you found that as an entrepreneur to be able to hire other people or palm off things that you're not good at and really just focus on your strengths? Yeah. I, I've always 
put a really high value on my time. And that's not an arrogant thing. That's just a, a self-aware thing, you know, understanding what your, what your time is worth. And then, you know, if it's not, um, if a certain task is not of that value, then you can delegate it. Um, so that's when you start getting an understanding of um, what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Um, I remember early on, we had a meeting in the city and someone said, oh, we'll just like, we're near the train station. Why don't we just catch the train in and um, we, we don't have to walk like a kilometer. And I was like, you know, that's going to take us like, an hour and 15 let's just pay for an uber or whatever and you know it was it was like totally expensive like we're in a city area but it's just like it's going to shave you know half the time don't care if it costs a little bit more because i'm going to make that back by being able to do what i do um so that's just a little example i mean look i don't think you should completely go over the top with things like that but it's just a small example of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. understanding how valuable your time is and then working backwards and going, right, well, I'm spending too much time on, you know, this task. This okay, is where yeah. I need to get some help. Um, but yeah, I, like I don't, I I'm, I work like a dog, like you. Maybe mm-hmm. not as hard as you, but I don't, I don't see that as a badge of honor. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to go back. Like I'm trying to work backwards rather than like trying to take on more. Mm. Um, so that's it's not necessarily for me being a thing where. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm trying to work smarter. I think, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I've, um, you know, when I say like the badge of honor, I've made myself sound like an absolute fuckwit there. Um, but I also mean, I think it comes, it comes definitely from as well. Like particularly, like I know you had a sporting background, but as when I was playing sport, it was all about like, for me, my whole mindset was around the one thing I can control is, is just making sure I work harder than everyone else. And that was always like mm-hmm. what I did. And that's what I carried into business as well. And, and to be fair, it's only like been recently over the past 12 to 18 months where I've tried, I'm now trying to go more down the pathway of, of how you approach it. Like work backwards, like do less, but make sure the work that I am doing is producing bigger results. If that makes exactly. sense, instead of just like being busy for the sake of being busy, in terms of like on this, the second part of that question um, is how much time or emphasis do you place on, on growing your weaknesses or do you really just stick to your strengths? I like to have an understanding of a little bit of understanding of everything uh, and then delegate out to people that are more talented, more intelligent than I am. For example, like I'm, I'm quite good at understanding numbers, but in terms of, um, putting multiple things together. That's not my strong point. I, I will delegate that to, to someone to do that for me. Putting what um, together? Like multiple things as in like you as an example. Like as in like, you know, like correlations between say, you know, a profit and loss sheet and, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, a cash flow statement. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, once I've got the numbers, I'll be able to understand them and, and go, this is that. Yep. But in terms of doing more complex um, sums and stuff like I'm, I'm much more comfortable handing that off to someone but it's the same with like legal things like you know if we're coming up with a new name for a product I'll be like okay well let's just do I'll just do a quick search and I'll see if it's if it's clear um, and then if I'm not sure I'm not just going to take a risk I'm going to put that into you know I'm going to send it over to our, our legal team our lawyers and yeah. go 
you tell me because I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to just guess this. Yeah. It's too big of a decision. Um, so it's just knowing, yeah, for me to answer your questions, it's knowing a little bit about everything and then knowing when you've reached your limit. Mm. In terms of running a business and particularly when you've got staff like you do and particularly like you had um, with Uncle Jack as well and the, the output of the work you're doing um, is so important and it's so much, like how much of an importance do you place on your physical and mental health and how, how much of a correlation do you find that has with your productivity in the workplace and when you are trying to be creative or just productive at work? Yeah, it's interesting for me. I think the key thing there is 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 having a good routine and that obviously um encompasses a, a strong health and fitness sort of aspect so um you know i'm as you said i've sort of come from a sports background as well so i'm i'm pretty into my sort of fitness and um luckily for me that kind of comes naturally i know it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people and they they kind of force themselves to get into those habits uh, but certainly once you get into that rhythm and, and I find that it, it makes your, your day a lot easier because I think, you know, you would, you would know this a lot more than I do about, um, you know, the impacts, but I certainly feel less, less stressed mm-hmm. after I've worked out. Um, I certainly feel less edgy. I feel more grounded. Um, so all in all though, I think it's about balance. Like, you know, if you're, if you're working out too much, that can affect your, your work. Yeah. And if you're working too hard and, and not um, doing enough exercising again, um, yeah. but you're never going to have that balance, right? They're like perfectly, you know, beautiful line. Are you? Like you're just trying no. to get it as close as you can. Yeah. I don't think there, there is, I just don't think there is a balance. Um, you know, I, this is like the conclusion I'm starting to really come to the more and more I think about it. And also like the more and more people I talk to about the, the topic is that just, there really is no balance, like ideal balance anyway. And, and if you're at the point where you are, you are perfectly balancing all of it, I can almost guarantee you're not excelling in any of it. You know what I mean? Like as, as much as, as most people probably don't want to hear that, um, particularly the girlfriends or the, the boyfriends out there that are listening to it, um, it just doesn't work like that. But I think for people like you and I who do have the background of exercising or playing sport or whatever, you really don't understand how much of an impact their physical and mental health has on your productivity with work until you stop. Like anytime I've had like a bit of an injury or being crook or whatever and you do miss say a few days or a week or a few weeks of training, that's when you really start to notice how, how much it was impacting you before because when you're on like kind of almost autopilot each day, it becomes part of your routine. You tend to lose perspective of how, how much of an impact it has on your day-to-day. Yeah, and I think there's also like a guilt aspect to it as well. Like, you oh, know, sure. I, I haven't done this. Um, and it kind of weighs on you though. Like it's a, it's a, um, like a mental thing, an emotional thing. Yeah. How, what have you done throughout lockdown to, to uh, maintain your consistency and productivity with work and make sure shit gets done, but also just in terms of communicating with, with staff and, and those that you work with to make sure that the, the wheels keep rolling? Yeah, mate, I'm doing the stupidest thing that you could ever do and I don't recommend it to anyone, but I'm doing a 66-day challenge where I'm working out twice a day and I'm on day, at the time of recording, I think I'm on day 58 today. How many days and are you doing it for? 66. Okay. So 66 you know. days to form a habit. 
nearly there. I'm nearly there, but um, yeah. So anyway, I'm 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 working out a lot during lockdown. Too much, actually. Um, I'm certainly not going to continue to work out today once I'm uh, um, finished with this challenge. But the the purpose of it for me, and this is not like a, a public challenge that people do. This is just my own personal challenge. Um, the key for me was I wanted to get into a better routine from a from a workout perspective where um because i'm not playing as much sport anymore you know when you when you're playing organized sport it's all done for you like you just rock up yeah, know, these are, to it. yeah yeah these are your training times you're expected at this weight session at that time um and then when you're when you're on your own it's very different where you've actually got to think about it so for me it's just about really getting into that um routine which i'm doing through this but through that that challenge as well i'm doing um, a lot of things that, that you already do um, in terms of journaling, um, reflection, which I'm finding really helpful. Um, I'm doing prioritizing high impact work first. Um, so I think that's been a big game changer for me. And look, I've always been a, a very productive worker. I think this is just kind of taking me to that next level where I'm developing some habits that um, I'm going to be able to use, you know, for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, to answer your question, those are the things that have kind of kept me going and through lockdown in terms of communication, you know, like we we're in this age where it's more than like, we're not in the office obviously. So it's more than acceptable to be, to be on the phone on zoom calls and um, you know, on chat or whatever, just to get things done I think the good thing is most people are pretty understanding as well of, of, of space. Like, yeah. Cause otherwise when you're at home, you're, you're almost always on, aren't you? Cause you're always available. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing that I've, I've found throughout lockdown, particularly like to be honest, last year, even though we're in lockdown most of the year, <clears throat> obviously gyms were shut. So I was training clients outdoors like all day, every day, like not all day, but every day in fucking freezing cold but like outdoors yeah. just whereas this year um i haven't done as much of that we've we've been out of lockdown um a bit more this year obviously so now like now that i've kind of just got my gym set up i've set up a little gym at home and not really doing as much client work in person because i think a lot of people are almost a bit over it like i've now started to realize like how quickly you can you can all just fucking mold into one like if you don't really separate it and structure your day so like i i get out my journal in the morning and i'm sure you do something similar but i try and block out like our almost hour by hour for the day like what task is going to be done and stick to that and you know like pick your space to meditate pick your space to work pick your space to train to eat to sleep whatever so then you can still kind of compartmentalize like certain areas of the the house or your apartment or wherever the fuck you're staying um so that it does feel productive because it's very easy just to it's it's hard to motivate yourself to train if it's in the exact same spot you sit down to watch tv and eat dinner and meditate and do the rest of it yeah and what about do you think like in terms of coming out of your your comfort zone and not getting too um caught up in in routine in lockdown which is hard how what are you doing to kind of combat that um it is quite difficult for me like it's just little things to be honest like obviously you don't really have the opportunity to go and do anything outrageous so it's just small things that I do daily. So it's, it's having a cold shower every morning, like as soon as I get out of bed, which just starts the day uncomfortable, which for me just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. Um, and also just 
builds that uh, mental resilience and strength to to know that like you know the very last thing that you want to do in the middle of winter is go to bed and jump straight in a freezing cold shower but all of a sudden you know the three emails you got to reply to or the bill you've got to pay or the 30 minute workout or whatever you got to do throughout the day the discipline to just do it without having put too much thought to it or procrastinating i think builds over time other than that man it's just like still trying to challenge myself physically with training and then for me it's been particularly last year got super uncomfortable starting and you know an e-commerce business which was which was and still is like such a a learning process but Mm. even things are just learning like just trying to every day trying to do a bit of reading listen to an audio book have conversation like doing more and more podcasts with people like just having conversations and yeah just trying to just try i'm just trying not to get caught up in the fact that um you know a lot of people's mindsets i think have almost gone to like we'll just sit this out or just wait it out until things go back to normal then we'll resume what we were doing before for me i'm like i know that a lot of people are feeling like that so this is an opportunity to to level up and and grow and and just adapt and, and then find new new things to add into the business or, or new ways to improve my morning routine or whatever whatever the fuck it is. Um, I've found it almost like a bit of a challenge to to do the opposite of what most other people are doing. I don't know what you're what about you? Yeah, I mean, mate, I think you're obviously you're, you're doing King. training twice a day, so that's pretty fucking uncomfortable, but outside yeah. of that <laughs> physically very yeah. uncomfortable, but um, no, mate, I think like you're the king of, um, you know, I think segmenting and, and compartmentalizing certain parts of the day. I've got no doubt about that. I think the big challenge for myself and a lot of people in lockdown is it, it feels like we're kind of, you know, mentally and emotionally just kind of treading water. We're just, you know, we're, we're going to the same spot every day to work. Um, and it kind of, like from a from an industry level, um, it feels like things are kind of staying still, okay. and and that's hard to mm. to get yourself out of that rut when when um, conceptually or from a perceptive or um, point of view, things are kind of quite stagnant because they are things aren't happening, developments aren't really happening, mm. um, so it is difficult to get yourself out of that mindset. Um, so you know, that is where you, you need to kind of step out of your comfort zone and go, yeah. what can I do? I found it really important. Um, you know, the old saying of, you know, the product of the five people you surround yourself with, like when, when you can't really be surrounding yourself with a bunch of other people, but at the same time, probably the majority of people that you do bump into are the exact opposite headspace of what you want to be in. It's even more dangerous. So you think about walking mm. out of a local cafe and you bump into whoever you bump into, there might be five, ten people waiting for a coffee and probably a majority of them are talking about how shit their lockdown is and how, how much it sucks in order to work or whatever. So you can see how easy it is to get trapped in the vicious cycle of negativity and even content like fucking every man and his dog is posting about um, lockdown and, and whatnot because you know, let's be honest, there's not much else that's going on. But I've found it so important now now more than ever to be really cautious of what content I'm consuming and from who it's by and what people I am having conversations with outside of being at home with, with Danielle and and Russ, like who do I really want to surround myself with 
at all times to make sure that um, any exposure I am getting to other people, it's like with people that are thinking in the same way as what I am. So otherwise, if all you like, if you are surrounding yourself with negativity, then you can't be surprised that you're going to be in the same spot. Definitely, and it's a good chance to upskill as well. Um, you know, going back to the topic of education and some of those courses, you know, lockdown is a beautiful opportunity. Uh, I, I did a post yesterday. Um, a lot of the, the expos, a lot of the, um, yeah, you know, like specific expos are now online and they're now free. Yeah. So like I, I've been really wanting to go to this um, specific expo that's in the U.S., year after year and I just for whatever reason haven't been able to get there and now obviously because of COVID it's now online it's now free and you can watch all the content that would be at this expo unreal um, yeah in your living room so I would highly recommend people go and check out um, some of these um, trade shows and expos and things like that because they're all going online and most of the time they're free mm. um, so it's a great opportunity to just kind of expand your learning and um, kind of you know learn something new in lockdown upskill yeah. and get a new perspective 100 percent, man well mate before we wrap it up what's the what's the um future hold for you like what are any any big plans have you got a, any kind of ambitions to to start something new keep pushing in the same direction or what's it look like for you i know obviously since you've finished up um you know, you know sold uncle jack and and whatnot still working within athletic and um, got the podcast now as well, which is doing awesome. And you've had some incredible guests on like is now a bit of a bit of a period for you to just kind of feel it out and see, see what's next or have you got some, some plans or what's it look like? Yeah. So look, I mean, athletic is growing really quickly. So I'm really enjoying, um, being a little bit more hands-on in that because I think, um, business partner, Joe, who's been on your pod, um, has really taken the reins for the last couple of years. So it's been good to kind of jump back in into that. As you said, started the podcast, which is going really well. I'm enjoying it. Um, I think the most important thing is I'm, I'm learning from it. I'm, I'm getting really interesting people like yourself on the pod who are offering really good insights to mm. listeners, but also I'm kind of, you know, there with the notepad, just writing things down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, on top of that, I've, I've kind of had a little bit of time now to reflect on, yep. on that journey. It would have been great to just kind of, you know, F off and, and travel somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But no, I've certainly got some, some soft plans, I would say, in the works for some new stuff. Cool. Um, which I'm pretty excited about. Like I'm, yeah. I'm like really hungry. Like I'm starving just to like you know, do things. So, um, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be bored. I can assure you that. Yeah. I, yeah. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Mate, where can people find, um, find your content? I'll obviously have the links to it in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to kind of find out more about yourself and, and consume your content? Yeah. So, um, robbyball.com is my personal website. Um, you can find my social media links there, uh, off court, podcast which i think you'll have a link to anyway and um athletic and athletican.com is the athleisure um sneaker brand so you can check that out um that's probably the best best place to find me awesome mate well i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation as always 
Um, hopefully the listeners taken a, a lot of value out of the episode as well. So for those that are tuned in, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or, or watching on YouTube, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode for us. Uh, post it up on Instagram story, tag myself, tag Robbie. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and, and make sure you go and give the great man a follow and keep up with um, what he's up to. And Robbie, thanks for joining me, man. It's been a really enjoyable chat. No, thanks, DK. Appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to chatting to you again on the next episode.